Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast, the first of 2024. On this episode, we talked to Cameron Lawson, Winnipeg Blue Bobber defensive tackle, who was re-signed for a two-year deal. And we're also going to talk to Nolan Thiessen, the new CEO of Curling Canada, on the podcast. Winnipeg Blue Bombers back on December 22nd announced that they'd signed defensive tackle Cam Lawson to a two-year contract extension. 25-year-old from Caledon, Ontario, has played in 33 games since he was acquired for Montreal in May of 2022 on draft day. Had five sacks, eight tackles, and a pick in a full season this past year. And Cam joins us now on the Sports Show. Cam, uh, welcome back on the air. How was your holiday break? Oh, it's been going good. How about you? Doing well. How does it feel to uh, to be locked in for two more years here in Winnipeg? Uh, it's definitely a good feeling. Um, I love the locker room. I love the team, and I love the city. So it's good that uh, I'm glad to be back. Was this your first free agent experience in the CFL? Yes, sir. Yeah, I just finished my uh, my rookie contract. So this is my first kind of go at the whole uh, negotiation prospect of it. And so it's just over a month between the Grey Cup and you signing this deal. What was that month like for you? Were you ever worried? Um, no, I know we'd, we'd end up uh, figuring it out. And I, they knew that I wanted to return, and I knew that they wanted me to return. So it was just a matter of you know when and how we were going to get it done. And then, yeah, came along. So you signed the deal right before Christmas. Did people expect more from you then over Christmas because you had this new two-year your deal? <laughs> Uh, I kind of waited till after Christmas to tell them just to make sure. <laughs> All right. So how do you view your first two years in the CFL? Uh, it's been an awesome experience. Um, it's definitely a, you know, a learning curve, just like any jumping, jumping a level from like high school to college or college to pro. There's always stuff you have to adapt to and learn from. And so, you know, the first couple of years was just learning from a bunch of veterans, um, like Armando Sewell in Montreal, and then obviously Jake Thomas and Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat and guys like that in Winnipeg. Um, they've helped me come a long way. So, yeah, I, should, I said first two years. First two years in Winnipeg, you did play a little bit for Montreal back in 2021. So coming into Winnipeg, how do you feel your feel how your role has developed the last couple of years? Um, I've slowly gotten more and more playing time. So, um especially last year uh, we did a three-man rotation with me, Jake and Ricky Walker. And uh, that allowed me to get more and more experience. And uh, especially going into the playoffs um, as I didn't play as much in the playoffs the year before uh, when we had Casey, Ricky and Jake. Um, so getting that experience was awesome. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting better and taking it into the next year where I, hopefully I can, you know, get that starting spot and be the guy. When you're in a rotational role like you were there, how what are you doing on the sideline? Do you have a plan like, okay, I know I'm going in for this play and then coming out, or is it kind of on the fly that you're told when you're in and out? Uh, we kind of we do like a predetermined system where we do two series in, one series out. So we all played like relatively the same amount. So it would be like me and Jake and then, or sorry, Jake and Ricky and then, me and Ricky and then me and Jake, and then it would go back to the top and we kind of just went through that 
And then if there were certain situations they wanted specific guys on, the coaches would come to us and tell us that. And uh, yeah, going into the next series. So what is your goal for 2024 if you've mapped that out already? Yeah, uh, more sacks. Um, and uh, if I if I do get the, uh, the starting spot, then to go for, you know, CFL All-Star, West All-Star, you know, just keep trying to get better every year, set new goals. What do you have to do in your mind to win the starting job? Just um, stay healthy, be better than I was last year. Um, you know, keep improving this off season, which I've been working towards, and uh, you know, just have faith in my ability and the uh, the ability that I showed last year. So, what does your off season training regiment look like? So basically. Um, in terms of the beginning, it's more of just like rebuilding the strengths that um, I lost during in season. Obviously, you don't stay as strong as you are like prime off season, so you kind of have to get a little bit of it back. So right now, I'm kind of in that strength uh, muscle building phase, where you know you're just hitting the gym really hard for a long time and cranking out the weights and just lifting as heavy as possible. And then you kind of tone it down a little bit and focus more on athleticism and athletic movements and more sports specific training as you get closer and closer to camp. Usually I start that up around like halfway through the off season. And then, uh, yeah, a lot of running in like the last couple months so that you can kind of peek into it going into camp. How much communication do you have with teammates during the off season as you train? Well, I try and keep up with all the guys on the line and, um, and the team, you know, we have our group chats and stuff like that. So, you know, we don't stop talking to each other after the season's over. We like to keep up and, and uh, I'll go and visit some of the guys throughout the off season whenever I get the chance. Where are you right now? I'm in Brampton, Ontario. Okay. And uh, that's, that's home for you now? Yes, sir. Okay. I have to ask you about uh, this play, by the way. Second and goal. Elks now at the Bombers' eight-yard line. Cornelius looking to his right, standing in the pocket, dumps it off underneath the brown behind him, and it's picked off. It's in Cam Lawson's hands. A bad throw by Cornelius gets popped up into the air with the help of a defender, and the Bombers' defense holds them to zero points after the turnover. You got an interception this year. What was that moment like for you? Uh, it was awesome because I uh, I dropped a pretty uh, a pretty easy one the year before when we played Toronto. So uh, it was almost like a little bit of a redemption arc for me uh, getting that pick, and my teammates knew that as well, so they were pretty happy for me when I got it and actually caught it this time. Do you have the ball? I do have the ball, yeah. It's actually uh, in my room with me. Is is that uh, the only ball you have? Do you have other keepsakes from your first couple of years, or is that the big one? That's the big one. Um, I have a couple, like, I have a helmet and uh, a couple jerseys, but other than that, that's probably, like, the biggest one I have right now. I guess the only, the next big souvenir would be if you can score a touchdown, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. That would be unreal, so looking to make that happen. I guess... A strip sack recovery or a pick six would be the way to do that? Yep. Strip sack recovery would probably be the easier of the two, I would say, out of a pick six. I don't know. You know, receivers are pretty fast. They can run you down pretty easy. Um, but, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I didn't want to suggest that you'd, you'd lose a foot race or anything, but if you, you know, <laughs> if you pick, because you picked that one off in the in the, in the the red zone, so you'd have, to, you'd have a long way to go if you were to pick it off on that side of the field. Maybe if it was a... A ten yard return? How? What's the longest you could win a foot race? <laughs> you know, if it's if it's in like twenty thirty yards, I, I think I can get it. I can get it done. But uh, 
anything after that, you know, they might catch up. You know, the 40 times are a little bit different between guys like me and guys like, you know, Kenny Lawler or stuff like that. So I ask this to everybody after the Grey Cup. Uh, have you watched the game back yet? I watched it um, probably a week after once I, you know, kind of took the week to process what happened and then went and looked back at, you know, all the plays and how I performed and all that stuff and then kind of put it to rest. I like to do that usually after games um, just to kind of put it behind me and move forward with what I need to do next. So, yeah. Was there any kind of feeling of, I don't know what the feeling would be, but the team that drafted you, traded you to Winnipeg, beats you in the Grey Cup game. Did that mean anything to you, or is it just they hate that that team happened to be the team that beat us that had nothing to do with they drafted me? Um, yeah, I mean, like it didn't really. There wasn't any like big emotion behind it or anything like that. Like, yeah, obviously, you know, it was there that they drafted me, and you know, they obviously beat us. But I tried not to delve too much into that or anything a lot of the people I played with and the coaches that were there when I was there weren't weren't even there this year so um I kind of look at it as a much different team than when I got drafted there so that really didn't affect me I don't really like to let things like that affect me either you know you kind of just have to keep pushing and rolling with the punches so all right well appreciate the insight cam uh thanks for coming on the show tonight and we'll uh see you when you get back to Winnipeg yeah thanks for having me have a good night Cam Lawson, defensive lineman for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, two-year deal he signed a couple weeks ago. Part of the rotation on the D-line, Canadian, so that has some perks to it for sure. And we'll see who the next re-signing is for the Blue Bombers as we go through this month. Curling Canada has a new CEO, and it's a familiar name to curling fans. 43-year-old Nolan Thiessen, born in Pilot Mound, raised in Brandon, taking over for Katherine Henderson who left to be Hockey Canada CEO. Thiessen is a three-time Briar champ, a world gold medalist who joined Curling Canada in 2016, first as an athlete liaison, then hired on full-time a couple years later. Worked its way up to executive director of marketing and fan experience before this big elevation to CEO. Also a U of M grad, a chartered accountant, and this afternoon he joined me to talk about his new gig. How does it feel that the the news is out there that you are the new CEO of Curling Canada? Um, it's obviously uh, been, been a bit of a whirlwind of a day. I'm hearing from lots of people, um, you know, just really excited. It, it kind of came together fairly quickly at the end. Uh, you know, it's been a, it's been quite an exhaustive um, hiring process that our board went through, but um, you know, it, it was only a couple of days ago that I officially signed the contract and then now it's public knowledge already and I'm officially in the role. So um, it's been, it's been a whirlwind, but it's just, you know, super excited and, and um, can't wait to kind of uh, let this kind of tidal wave uh, wash over and then get down to work. And you're taking over at a time when the curling season is really starting to ramp up. The season is longer than I think it's ever been before. Teams have been uh, playing in bond spiels yeah. for months now, but your season of champions is, is what, you know, Scotty's are about a month away. So this is an exciting but busy time for you, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, that was my role before was to sort of run those events. So there's a lot there for me to kind of support the team through the transition a little bit and, and make sure that those, um, you know, run without a hitch. But um, yeah, it's, you know, our our season uh, for the athletes perspective is really long. And from a Curling Canada perspective, we've got events from, 
you know, sort of late October, right through the end of April. But this is when the light shines the brightest, I guess, when the Scotty starts, right? So, um, yeah, really excited to be to be taken over at this point. And uh, it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a great season. So you first joined Curling Canada after you retired as an athlete liaison back in 2016. The work that you've done with them since then, how do you think that's helped you prepare for this role? Well, I mean, you know, like I'm a, I'm a CPA um, by trade. Uh, but when I started working with Curling Canada, I kind of said to Catherine Henderson, the CEO at the time, I said, I, I'm, I'm confident that I could really handle the finance side. And I said, I don't really want to get into coaching and high performance. I want to learn the business of sport. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of, she gave me a lot of exposure to the events side of the business. And then, um, you know, to a lot of our stakeholder relations between member associations and television partners and sponsors and all of that. Um, you know, I, I kind of got exposed to a, t- a lot of areas in the sport. And I think it's been, you know, everything that I've done has sort of, um, because I really tried to learn everything that is curling Canada. You know, it's not just the Briar and the Scotties, it's really everything. So, um, we're, uh, you know, I think it's put me in, in the position where I can sort of hit the ground running. Um, you know, I don't need to learn the sport, so to speak. I don't need to go meet. There's a lot of stakeholders that I have great working relationships with already. I mean, I'm still going to touch base with all of them on a consistent basis, but I think it sets me up to be able to hit the ground running here, so to speak. How do you think a curler's perspective will help this role where you have a person who yourself, you've won the Briar, you've won a world gold. Yeah. How does that change the the job of a CEO? Because, you know, no offense to Catherine Henderson, but she was not a Briar champion or a Scottish champion or a world champion. I, I mean, I think it's just, it's an interesting perspective in that, um, you know, I've kind of been through that. I was also a club curler. I was also someone who was, you know, a kid walking down to the rink who was throwing rocks because I wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to play this game. Um, I think, I think what my past has been able to let me do is it's opened a lot of doors for me from a conversation standpoint. And I've been able to, you know, I can share with Curling Canada what the athletes are going through, but then to a certain extent, because of what I've been doing from work with Curling Canada, I can go to the athletes and I can say, you know, this is, this is the business side. This is what we're going through. These are all the things that, that we've got to, um, consider when we're making these decisions. So I think it helps us make better decisions um, just because I've, I've got an exposure to a lot of areas and I, and I know a lot of people that I can get all the right people in the room, so to speak, to have those conversations. And this is a trend now of curlers being put in positions of, of high leverage in the organization, David Murdoch brought in uh, mm-hmm. Laura Walker named to the board of governors. So the voice of athletes in these decisions, is this something that in what you've heard from, is this going over well in the curling circles? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm the first kind of curling person, so to speak, who's been named the CEO for a while. I think, um, 
you know, we have such an intricate, interesting sport. Um, you know, I think it helps when you have knowledge and passion for it. I don't think you have to have it to, I, like, I think Kathy does an amazing job and um, I've got big shoes to fill. Um, but yeah, you know, I think, I think the one thing that I always tried to show though, when I, when I started working was I'm not just an athlete that I, that because I'm an athlete, I know everything about the sport. Um, but I, I do know some stuff that maybe someone who hasn't played doesn't know. So let me help you and, and you help me and let's make better decisions together. Um, so I think, you know, for me, it's just finding passionate people. Um, I think that's the one thing is, is like people like Laura and David and people on our athlete council and, and a lot of the athletes out there, they're just so passionate about the game, right? They love it. They want, they want to win and they want to beat everyone, but they also want, you know, kids to try the sport for the first time. They want people to, to be passionate and watch the game. So um, I think that passion is what we got to just continue to foster with everybody. I think it just puts us in a great spot. So what is on your to-do list as CEO of Curling Canada? Uh, Quite a bit, obviously. And and because we're a sport for life, um, there's a lot there, right? It's working with, um, you know, our high performance um, teams and, and and coaches to make sure that they've got all the resources um, they need. There's a lot to do from a club development and an uh, you know member services. Um, you know, working with our member associations um, to make sure that we're all aligned and we're kind of pulling in the same direction. I think is going to be a big thing. Working with the World Curling Federation, we're we're business partners and a member association of the WCF. So we're always going to have to foster that relationship. So those are some of the, the big ones off the bat. But um, the one good thing is, is it's it's not just me. I've got, there's an incredible group of people who work for Curling Canada. And, um, you know, some of this at this point right now is, is I need to put the right people in the right rooms. Um, and hopefully I can do that. With Canada not having won a, a major international gold in, in some years now, how much pressure yeah. do you feel to, ch- to help change that? I mean, I want to win. Um, that's that, but that being said, um, I want our athletes to have an amazing experience when they're, when they're chasing these medals and these podiums. Um, it can be a lonely existence sometimes when it's, you know, a cold Canadian morning and you're getting up at six in the morning to go work out and, you've got a kid at home who wants you to stick around and um, you, they don't want you to go to the airport, but I just, I want them all to feel supported, um, you know, to, to feel a part of curling Canada, not just on their own. Um, and, and, you know, try to provide them with the resources that they need to get better. And, and um, I think, you know, I'm going to work as hard as I can um, from a curling Canada perspective so that they do have all of that so that they, you know, they don't have to worry about the business side of curling. Um, they can just worry about getting better and, and, um, you know, being the amazing champions that they are. I I'm wondering about, you know, residency rules. We've had so many, I think, yeah. debates in curling over the last decade. There've been so many format changes at the, the national championships this year, the big thing is pre-qualification. There are teams here in Manitoba yeah. that don't have to go through playdowns, like Jennifer Jones' team, like Matt Dunstone's team, didn't win nationals last year, but they get in anyway. 
how is that move being received? And are, are you in a spot where every year this, these things are getting reevaluated? Well, I think the big thing for us with that change was that, um, you know, coming out of the pandemic, we had to look at everything, look at the, the, what laid in front of us and set some stuff up for the rest of the quadrennial. So like, this is how it's going to be for the next three years, because we needed to just, we needed to sort of draw a line in the sand. We assessed all the different options and we thought this was the best one to prepare, uh, you know, the teams as best they can to not only win a Canadian championship, but win uh, a national champ or a world championship. And so I think, you know, we, we just set it in, in stone and said, this is, this is what we're going to do. Um, we'll see the results. Um, you know, I was, I was obviously a team that didn't have to go and play downs and, and won the Briar as a team Canada. So I know, you know, Jennifer's one of the teams that has won the Scotties multiple times as team Canada. Right. So I know, I know that it can be done. I think, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how the changes play out. But the, the one thing that I always say about from a high performance perspective is you don't just win medals when it's on television, right? It's all the work that gets put in before that is what leads you to be able to perform at the highest level. And I think that's a lot of the stuff that's happening right now is all that work that gets put in when nobody's watching um, is what's really going to pay off in the future. So, um, you know, I think we talk about residency and, and um, you know, formats and qualification. and They all matter, but at the end of the day, hard work matters more than anything. And we've got a lot of people putting in a lot of work. And, um, you know, I hope to uh, see the results of that really soon. Um, and really excited uh, for those athletes. All right, I'm going to ask you a tough question here because you live in Alberta now. Do you still consider yourself a Manitoban at heart? Yeah, you know what? Absolutely. Um, I it's it's really funny. I I go home every summer and I spend the I spend like a week or or ten days at my uh, my aunt and uncle's cabin in Pleasant Valley. And, uh, you know, it's a good way for me to go home and see a bunch of people. But I, I, it's so crazy. Every time I, you know, I'm driving across the border um, from Saskatchewan into Manitoba and I just, you know, I see the big sign and I'm, you know, an hour and a half from Brandon. And I, I just feel this like, oh, I feel like home. Right. And it's crazy because I haven't lived in Manitoba for over 20 years, but um, it's so comfortable and still, you know, still my home so um yeah i don't i don't live there now but you know i i still got a lot of uh buffalo blood <laughs> running through me the brandon Breyer in 2019 how much of that uh, being there at you know your where you grew up you were working with curling yeah. canada by that point but to, to see that event where you grew up how cool was that to be there uh, it was amazing right like i I remember going to the 93 Scotties there and, um, you know, I just started curling. I remember being in the building when, you know, Kerry Burtnick won the world championships in 1995 with my favorite team that has ever curled. Right. I love like Kerry's team back then was that's my favorite team. It always will be. Um, and, uh, it was so cool to be there. It was so cool to see everybody. Um, you know, it was a long week because I had, 
you know, between uh, curling friends and school friends and baseball friends and, you know, people that I grew up with. Um, there was a lot of people to see and there was a lot of work to do because I was there working. But, um, yeah, that briar was obviously super special for myself. I just, I, I love that building. I, I love Brandon and uh, was really excited um, with the bid that they put in and, and to get that event. And I think it, I think it went off really well. It was super successful. So how can we get another big event in Manitoba again? We are an open bid process and, and, you know, I think there'll be, there'll be lots of bids coming in from Manitoba. I think our, our events have shown that they create a pretty big economic impact. Um, and uh, so I think, you know, I'm sure we'll be receiving some bids from Manitoba um, very soon, and uh, hopefully, hopefully there's winners. Um, you know, I we we always pick the best bid, um, but we'll we'll be excited to. Uh, I'll always have a special place for for Manitoba whenever I go back. Nolan, appreciate this. Uh, thanks for your time tonight, and congrats on the new gig, and best of luck with everything. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Nolan Tyson, CEO of Curling. Canada. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all that they should. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all. Share our intellect.